All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, appreciate you, magnify you, God. Thank you for all that you are and all that you mean to us. God, I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross, that you would think through my mind, that you would speak, God, through my mouth. Let it be all of you, less of me, that the people be eternally touched and blessed. Let no one's coming be in vain, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. Amen. Come on with our Bibles in our hands. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, so last week we were on the topic of generous heart, generous heart. And instead of talking about being generous where it related to money, we were talking about being generous as it related to forgiveness and mercy and extending grace to others. And so the Lord touched us to show us that as we receive God's mercy, we should give God's mercy and that generosity, that heart generosity, ultimately will affect our hand generosity. So I enjoyed sharing that because, like I said, normally when people bring up generosity, they're only talking about giving money in the church. But there's more than just giving money. Not that giving money is unimportant. It's just that if you focus on the right things, the other things will come along. And so I think I'm going to go into a series here about the heart. So we had generous heart, but today our uh, title is going to be heart condition. Somebody say heart condition. So one of the leading causes of death is heart disease. And uh, heart disease can make up a lot of things, but it has a lot of ramifications and a lot of different conditions of the heart. Some people need open heart surgery. Uh, uh, it, it could be your blood pressure. It could be so many different things. We all heard of heart attacks. But spiritually, what is the condition of our heart spiritually? And so we're going to talk about heart condition. And I'm going to be like a heart surgeon. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to be examining four spiritual heart conditions from scripture four spiritual heart conditions several heart conditions i can bring up but we're only going to be examining four i if you can imagine spiritually i'm putting on my stethoscope and i'm listening to the beat of our spiritual heart and we're trying to figure out do we have the right stuff in our heart because we can play the external game but if our hearts are jacked up eventually it will catch up with us in the long run. 
And so even though we are a church of grace, we believe God's not going to beat us up. We believe we are deliverance temple and we will be and shall be delivered. It doesn't mean we should allow conditions of our heart to be adverse from what scripture says. We should be aligning our heart to that which scripture says. So let's put up the first heart that we're going to discuss and that is that of the wayward heart. Somebody say the wayward heart. And so let's look up a definition of wayward. We're going to define it and it simply is this difficult to control or predict because of unusual or perverse behavior. Now we all can make mistakes, missteps, We can all have issues, but the longer you stay in patterns, it eventually gets into your heart. And if it stays in your heart long enough, it will shift and adjust your heart. Let let me throw out an example. You could have a girlfriend. You can be a boy and you have a girlfriend that you dearly love, dearly love, but over time, There's another girl on your job that you kind of like. But the longer you spend time with the girl you kind of like, the one you dearly love is going to go from dearly love to kind of like. And the one you kind of like, kind of like, going to shift to dearly love. Because it only takes a matter of time for your heart to shift. Because things that are in your head will eventually plant themselves in your heart. So if a person has a wayward heart, that means they've allowed things in their head to last too long to where they have taken root in your heart. Old saying that you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your head. You, you, you can't stop all the mistakes, all the missteps, all the problems because you are a human being But over time, if you are comfortable in things, they will seep into your heart and it will affect the condition of your heart. So let's give you some synonyms of what a wayward heart looks like. Headstrong, stubborn, perverse, contrary. This sounds like synonyms for a teenager. But it's sometimes the synonyms of our heart, headstrong, stubborn, perverse, contrary, rebellious, defiant, uncooperative, unruly, wild, ungovernable, disobedient, undisciplined. You have Christians and saints who are headstrong, stubborn, perverse, contrary, rebellious, defiant, not church folk. Yeah. How pastor Andre? Cause they allowed something that was in their head and maybe in their life to take root in their heart. And now they got to the place where they are wild, ungovernable, disobedient, and undisciplined. I can tell you right now, this ain't no shouting message. This ain't going to no spin around seven times and you're going to be blessed by the time you walk outside. But if we want to walk in blessings, we have to understand we've got to examine our hearts. And sometimes these are things that happen in our hearts. So we've got to try to look at that and see if we can diagnose it. But the most beautiful thing about heart 
problems is if they are diagnosed early enough, you can make adjustments and change. In the literal, uh, not the figurative heart, but the literal heart, not the spiritual heart, the literal heart, you can have an issue and they can catch it early enough and just say, you need to take two aspirins every day. Come back and see me in six months. And then they will say, your heart is doing fine. You mean just taking two aspirins? No. So as we find things in our heart, we can make small adjustments and be okay. But if we make no adjustments at all, we can end up with a wayward heart. Let's look at Jeremiah 2, 1 through 9 in the New Living Translation. The Lord gave me another message. He said, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. God is saying, I I remember how you were like a young bride. You wanted to please me. You you were head over heels about me. You, You were in love with me. But something has shifted. Something has changed. You, 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 you'll see people who had a big, big wedding and everybody celebrates the big wedding. Later on, they say we are divorcing for irreconcilable differences. What happened from the big celebratory wedding till the divorce? Something happened in the heart. And God is saying the same thing about his people spiritually. So let's, let's look. Well, before we go to the next verse, Jeremiah was a prophet that was called to tell Israel, that they were heading down the wrong path. People didn't really want to hear what Jeremiah was saying, but Jeremiah was tasked with the hard message of not telling them what they wanted to hear, but telling them the way it was. So let's go to verse 3. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty, and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Jeremiah says, God is saying at the beginning, y'all were so tight with me, anybody that messed with you fell off immediately. But now Jeremiah is promising you guys are about to be taken captive. And here's the only reason why your heart has changed. It has become wayward. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 5. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. What did, what was there all against me as God that made them drift so far from me and turn away from worshiping me to worshiping idols and now they become worthless themselves. So they went from being wayward to worthless because they replaced God with worthless things. Now, of course, we're not that far gone because we're sitting in church. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is just so we can understand the journey of being in love with God and being worthless. And the journey is your heart shifts And you replace God with worthless things. Now, now I'm not here to jump on us, but let let me just throw some examples out. This phone is worth a lot 
to us, but if it keeps us from our relationship with God, it is worthless. If when I wake up in the morning, I scroll, I text, I talk, and the one who woke me up doesn't even get a hello or a good morning or thank you, God, for waking me up. Now, come on, we're human. We, we don't always do it. But every now and then, you ought to have something in your heart that says, God, before I look at Facebook, let me get in your book because you're the one who woke me up. You're the one who rescued me. You're the one who washed me. You're the one who delivered me. So, God, let me make sure there's nothing wrong with my heart. Now, like I said, we're human, so God, God is not saying that you can't just go about your day and then at 12 noon you say something to God. That's not what God is saying, but we're just saying, let's check our heart. Let, let, let's make sure we're not trading it in for worthless things. Ah, oh, Pastor, I, 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 I can't, I can't come to church. Cause I gotta go to the casino Saturday night and I might be tired from Saturday night and then I, I wanna make it, I don't, uh, you know, I don't wanna be there tired on Sunday morning. Okay, that, that, that's okay. Come back next week. But you mean you, you gonna stay at the casino all the, all the weeks? And you, you can't come to church none of the weeks? And here's the thing, if you're staying at the casino, that means you hit some money sometime or else you wouldn't keep going back. So you mean you done made some money at the casino, but you won't never come back and tell God, thank you, and, and I appreciate that you kept me. So what I'm saying is let's not get worthless. Let's not trade it in for worthless things. Now, now I, I try to celebrate my wife I, I, because I believe it's good to do. I believe that's what you do in marriage. You celebrate your wife. But, but l- let me just throw this example out. If I would have traded my wife in and divorced her. First of all, you always say, what's wrong with pastor? But somebody would think in their mind, it, he probably got somebody at least better looking. But if the person I got was 1,200 pounds, had no teeth, no hair, you would say something's wrong with his head. Why would he trade that in for that. And what God is saying, you've traded me in for the most despicable of things. Well, what's wrong with your heart? And God says, what did I do to you to treat me like this? Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 6. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death, where no one lives or even travels. They've forgotten where I've brought them from and nobody has even asked, where is the God that's been on my side? Where is the God that got me off of drugs? Where is the God that got me a new wife? Where is the God that got me a car? Where is the God that helped me get out of debt? And here's the problem is sometimes when your heart gets wayward, you'll move so far from God and you won't even ask, where is he? Where is it? If, if you mothers were to drive in your car and drive from Muncie to Chicago and it wasn't until you got to Chicago that you would say, where's my child at? Somebody would say something wrong with your mind. Cause how did you drive that far and not know that you left 
the one you love at home. And I'm here to say, when your heart is wayward, you can walk away from God for so long and not even ask, where are you, God? Now, here's the thing about my life. I need God so much, I can't go very long without saying, God, where are you? Because I need him. I got decisions I got to make every single day. And I need God every single day of my life. I can't make it a day without him. Now, you may be so holy and sanctified, you don't need him. But let me tell you, I need him. I need him bad. I like the songwriter that said, I need thee all. Oh, I need thee. Oh, bless me. Now, my Savior, I, I, I come to you because I need you. I come to you because I'm a mess without you. I come to you because without you, my mind would go crazy. But if you're so special that you don't need God, I'm afraid of you. Amen. You scare me if you don't need God. Now, we're not talking about people who don't believe in God. I'm talking about the folk who believe in God and say he's your savior. And if he's your savior and you can't, uh, you can go days and days and months and months and weeks and weeks and years and years without him, something's wrong with your heart. All right, let's continue to read. Let's go to verse seven. And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. Uh-oh, when I bless you with stuff, you turn around and corrupt it, what I blessed you with. You, your heart is so messed up, I can give you something good, and all you will do is contaminate it and turn it bad. All right, read more. Verse 8. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me, and the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, Wasting their time on worthless idols. What I like about this verse, when you study it out, the priest in some definitions, biblical definitions, is changed to pastor. Even the pastor didn't ask, where is the Lord? It says, those who taught my word ignored me and the rulers turned against me. This is the problem when you have wayward hearts. Even the leaders don't know what they're doing. The leaders would get up and preach junk and preach mess and haven't prayed, haven't talked to the Lord. They'll just get up and say what they think is good. They'll pull a sermon out of the internet and just give folks stuff. And here's the crazy thing. Someone was talking to me about all these wicked pastors. And I said, it's true. It's a lot of wicked pastors. But the wicked pastor won't change until the people in the pew demand better. The problem is the reason why wicked pastors can last is the folk in the pew don't know nothing. So the person who's wicked can teach you because you don't know nothing. You should never sit under a ministry that's not teaching you the word of God. I love all of y'all, but the moment I stop teaching the word of God is the moment you should walk out of this door. First of all, try to correct me, but if, if, if I'm too wayward, you do not have to stay in a place where the scripture says those who taught my word ignored me. How are you going to teach about God and ignore him? So so it's it's very, very, very troubling. And we've seen some of that in our day and age. It's gotten kind of kind of rough, but we we've got to get ourselves back right. And, and I'm not saying that we in this church are messed up. But God gave me this message for a reason. So whatever we're doing right, let's keep shoring it up because we don't want to be wayward. We don't want to be lost. All right, let's continue to read. Verse 9. Therefore, 
I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against you, your children's children, in the years to come. Now, this is not after the cross. This is before the cross. And God said, listen, you, you left me no choice. I'm going to have to correct you. I'm going to have to bring charges against you. And it wasn't me that left y'all. It was y'all that left me. But because of that, I'm going to have to correct you. Verse 11. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Verse 12. Let's, let's read that. It's powerful. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. So the, the children of Israel were acting so stubborn, so lost. So crazy that even heaven was shocked. It, it means the it means the demonic heavens and the angelic heavens. Even the demons is like, man, there's some crazy folk. The angels like, man, them some crazy folk. It, it was shocking of how far they had fallen. And if you know anything about the scripture, the only reason God worked with those people, he had one chosen people, is so that he could touch those people and those people would share his goodness around the rest of the world. And those who were worshiping false idols would see the true and the living God and they would change their ways except for the ones who had the true and the living God. They decided... I'd rather have the wooden idol. You, you remember the, the uh, children of Israel right after they got delivered out of Egypt? And Moses goes up on the mount. And when he's coming down, he hears a loud noise. And Joshua says, it sounds like battle. And Moses said, that's not a battle cry. Something's wrong. And they come down and they have made a golden calf. And the craziest thing about that, they made the golden calf. And they pointed at the golden calf and says, this is the calf that brought us out of Egypt. But, but wait a second, you mean the Bible says that God is the one who blessed them with silver and gold. They took the thing God blessed them with and turned around and worshiped the thing God blessed them with. That is a wayward heart. This next verse is very powerful. Let's read that before we move on. Verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves Crack cisterns that can hold no water at all. I love the language Jeremiah is using. He says, my people have done two evil things. Number one, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. But then they have substituted me with something they created themselves that is cracked, it's busted. Let me say it this way, it's broke, busted, and disgusted. Here's, here's the thing about a well. A well is made to hold water. But if one crack gets in it, the, what it's designed to do, it will not be able to do because it will leak everywhere. And in this sense, they had traded in the goodness of God for something that was broken down. Another thing, I'm going to keep using these examples. So, so uh, Brother Benny, Brother Benny just hits it big. And Brother Benny gives me a brand new Rolls Royce. And everybody's like, man, this guy blessed uh, the pastor with a brand new Rolls Royce. And the next week, y'all see me on a bike. Pastor, what's, what's wrong with the Rolls Royce? Oh, I traded it in for this bike. Don't you like this bike? Man, this bike is nice. I, I can pedal all day. They'd be like, you are crazy. You can get a bike for $150. 
But a Rolls Royce is like almost half a million dollars, like 450000 You mean that you traded in the Rolls Royce for a bicycle? They said, but this is much worse. He traded in the living water for a crack cistern that couldn't even hold a drop of water. That's a wayward heart. That's a messed up heart. That, that's a jacked up heart, and that's a heart that we don't want. Somebody say, that's a heart, that's a heart. that I don't want. So let, let, let's, let's go somewhere else because in most cases, that's not who we are. Because like I said, you wouldn't be tuning in online and you wouldn't be here if your heart was that messed up. But most times your heart doesn't get that messed up overnight. It's a process. The wayward heart is the worst of it. So we're going to switch from the wayward heart to the waning heart to show us how do we go from where we are to where we possibly could be that's so damaging. So put up number two, the waning heart. So you have the wayward heart, now you have the waning heart. Let's look up the word of waning. It starts off in decrease in vigor, power, or extent. It actually becomes weaker. So it becomes weaker over time. It loses its vigor. It loses its power. It has, it loses the extent and it becomes weaker. That's what happens to a lot of marriages. That's why you see the big wedding and then later on it's not what it was before because over time that love gets weaker. Over time that love begins to wane. It begins to fade out. So let's look at some synonyms of waning. Waning synonyms will help us decrease. Decline, diminish, dwindle, droop, dim, fade away, grow faint, shrink, subside, taper off, tail off, weaken, wither. So it didn't happen over time. You, you ever had some beautiful roses delivered to your door? First, second, third, fourth, maybe in the fifth day, they look good, but Leave them and you'll see the drooping. You see the diminishing because that those roses have been taken out of their natural habitat. And if you don't feed them and you don't water them and there's not enough sunlight, then they're going to begin to die from the inside out. And even though we love the Lord, if we're not careful, maybe our heart is not wayward, but it might start waning. And the problem with waning, you don't always see waning right away because waning happens behind the scenes. And so you have to be careful that you're not waning in the process. See, all I'm doing is watching Netflix. There's nothing wrong with Netflix unless Netflix is causing your heart to wane. All I'm doing is dating so-and-so. There's nothing wrong with dating so-and-so unless dating so-and-so causes your heart to wane. Because if it wanes long enough, your heart will become wayward. And what we saw in the scripture will be said about us. And we don't want it to be said about us. So I can't just be careful of a wayward heart. i got to be careful of a waning heart. And in this day and age, there's so many things that can take our attention. 
We can get caught up and focus on so many things. It is actually easy, even though we're saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, it is actually easy to put God on the back burner. It is not something hard to do. It is actually something easy to do because of our makeup, the way we are wired. It's easy to trade in God for other things. I just got busy. Well, I'm tired. I don't feel well. All those things are real. And there's nothing wrong with them unless it sets up too long. I mentioned to you that I possibly may not show up on October the 5th, Wednesday, to the function I'm talking about because I may need a day for myself. I'm not sure. But what happens if I take a day for myself and then take another day and another day? I don't need to read. I don't need to pray. I'll be all, I'll be all right. Well, next Sunday, I'm just going to pull out one of the messages I had from a long time ago. You're going to see a different pastor if I keep doing that because that waning, it, what it does, it's, it's called erosion. And it be, before long, erosion turns into corrosion. See, corrosion is something you can see. You can see a rust on the car. That is corrosion. But corrosion sometimes starts with erosion. It, it erodes little by little. Story I tell all, all the time, and I think I'll just uh, say it again. The time that I went to the grocery store, that that I had my my uh, seat laid back, I had the sunroof open, I was bumping my music, and I was going to the grocery store to pick up something for my wife. I come out of the grocery store, and then the car would not start. It was amazing to me because I drove all the way down McGalliard, and everything was working. And then the car wouldn't start. Found out there was a dead cell in my battery. But it mean while I was listening to the music. My battery was dying. While I had my sunroof open, digging in the scene with the gangster lean, I was still dying the whole time. While I was swerving and bumping, and I, I'm talking about I was laying, Tommy. I was, I was laying. It was one of those days I was feeling good, but I was losing power the whole time. And some of y'all, you may shout at the altar and cry at the altar and walk out of here and start losing all the time because there's something in your heart that is eroding you and erasing God from your heart. And God, don't ever let me get so blessed that I forget about you. Got to begin to weaken and wither. Now, we're going to jump away from Jeremiah real quick and go to Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 9. Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 9. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. I'll, I'll hold you right there. In this particular passion of re- passage of Revelation is when uh, God through John or Jesus is speaking to John about the state of the seven churches of Asia. Continue to read. And he comes to the church known as Ephesus. This is a message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks a among the seven gold lampstands. Revelation is filled with a lot of imagery and I don't have time to give you all the imagery but I will say this is that these seven churches, they actually represent seven church ages. It actually represents what the church can get into, the modern church. This is this is the historic church. This is way, 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 way back. But these are things that the modern church can actually fall into so that's why it's important for us to read it. So let's look at verse 2. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not 
You have discovered they are liars. Here's the problem with a waning heart is you could be doing a lot of good things. And don't assume that the good things that you do that makes you uh, exempt from having a waning heart. And so what Jesus was saying about the church of Ephesus, y'all got a lot of things going on. And in every church, he tried to give them positives before he talked about their negative if they had positive. Some churches had no positive, but in Ephesus, they had a lot of positive things going on. So the reason why I'm bringing this up, because I don't think you are a wayward deliverance temple, but just because you got a lot of good stuff going on doesn't mean there could be some other things creeping in. So let's look at verse 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That speaks to the deliverance temple. We done gone through some stuff and we have not quit. And Jesus said, I take notice of that. But let's look at verse 4 though. And we, we're going to look at this in the King James Version. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. He said, but even though you're doing a lot of good things, nevertheless, I do have something against you because you have left your first love. All right, let's look at that same verse in the New Living Translation. This shows us the issue. Look at Revelation 2.4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Oh, here's the key. There's a lot of folk who can shout in church, but at the end of the day, I really don't like y'all that much. I don't mind coming to church for God, but Manita, I, ain't, I, really, I really ain't got, I, re, I don't care if she speak to me or not. Well, something's wrong with your heart then. Because, now it, it'd be different if Manita was always doing something mean to you, but if she hadn't done anything to you, why do you have something against her? I just don't like the way she walk. Excuse me? Just It's just... Just the look on her face. She thinks she's better than me. No, baby, that, that's you. There's something in your heart. Your heart is waning. You're doing the right things, but your heart is waning. I, I, I don't want to get too much detail, but I, I, I had an issue with this. Now, I'm a very loving pastor. I try to be. But I did have an issue. I can't really say I, I can't really say that I did it, but I kind of did. I kind of put somebody out to church. I basically told them, you can leave if you want to. I I didn't beg for them to stay. So anyway, they, they had an issue with one of the members, and I talked to them about it and said, we'll pray about it. Then they had an issue with another member, another woman mem- member. Didn't have any trouble with the men. They loved the men. But it was the women they didn't like. And so first of all, they, they didn't like my mama. But I try to be fair. I try not to think I'm not, when I'm a pastor, I'm not a Mitchell. So they had an issue with my mama, and so like, we're going we're gonna to pray about it. First, they had an issue with somebody else. Then they had an issue with my mama. Then they had an issue with my wife. But I'm still trying to be the fair. Then they had an issue with a fourth person. On the fifth person, it dawned on me, it can't be everybody else. It got to be you. But I, I, I don't want to be too harsh because, you know, since they talked about my mom and my wife, maybe I, I would be thinking wrong. So I, I wanted to at least listen to it. So they, then they got on another person. And I was like, well, tell me what they did wrong to me. They was like, well, this person tried to find me a place to stay. And uh, they, they, they tried to line me up with a job. And I got interviewed for a job. And I'm trying to figure out what did the person do wrong. You lined them up with a job, found a place for them to stay. They helped me move. 
Then I was like, well, what'd she do wrong? Well, well, one Sunday she didn't speak to me. Excuse me? You mean she did all these other things and one Sunday they didn't speak to me. And it just so happens because I'm the pastor, I knew what the person was going through. And she didn't speak to anybody that Sunday because she got hit with something so hard. She, she could, she barely got herself to church and she just was just trying to slip in because she was going through something. But this person was so self-centered, she assumed that her not speaking was against her, but forgot about all the other stuff they did. And so Pastor Andre got a little different. I just basically said, you the issue, you the problem. And then, of course, they got mad at me and said they're not coming back. And I was like, I don't care if you ever come back. Because it was the issue of the heart. And if I allow it to stay, even though I still love them, if I didn't correct them, it would mess up the entire congregation because a jacked up heart mess it all. When I was growing up across the fence from my home, the neighbors had an apple tree, but their branches fell on our side of the fence. And I like that, Brother Curtis. I can get apples, free apples. But not all the apples were good because every now and then a rotten apple would be beside a good apple. And if you allow the rotten apple to stay there long enough, the good apple would become the rotten apple because evil communications corrupt good manners. And so if we're going to be a church of love, if you want to see me act ugly towards you, act ugly toward other people. Because that type of heart will mess it up. So let's put that verse back up just so, so that I can get back to the point I'm trying to make. You don't love me or each other. As you did at first. Now the person that that I'm bringing up who shall remain nameless. They had kind of gotten into a place where they were beyond the waning. They were more wayward. But waning starts just a little earlier than that. Like I said, so we have to be careful. Now, I'm not saying you're, going, you're not going to like everybody. We are all different. I'm, I may not want to eat with you outside of here all the time because we are different. But I shouldn't when I see you like, oh, God, there go Jasmine, Jesus. I hope, hope she don't see me. I shouldn't be that way unless... Now, I've been that way because sometimes I ran out in half shoes and a T-shirt and I don't want nobody to see me. That's different. But when you have such a messed up heart that you that you that you're no longer loving God, God said there's something wrong. So He told Ephesus, "You're doing a lot of good things, but you lost your first love. Something's wrong. Check your heart." Let's look at verse five. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And God says, I, I can still work with you, but what I need you to do, I need you to look how far you've fallen. I need you to look at you were here, and now you're here. And what we call that, we call that backsliding. You, 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 you're slipped away. You've fallen off. I need you to look at that, and I need you to do what you did before. And many of us, and we, we live in a different age, but back when some of y'all got saved, y'all was at the church all the time. Yeah. Prayer meeting, 
Bible study, all kinds of stuff. And no, we don't have all that stuff. But just because we don't have it, don't mean you shouldn't do it. You need to be praying. You need to be studying. You need to be praying for other people outside yourself. Yes, you want your, your, you, you want God to bless you. We understand that. But can you think about somebody else? Why don't you pray for somebody else? Do you love somebody enough to pray for someone else? If you don't, you're not living your vision every day if you're only thinking about you. It's my four and no more. It's my three and just me. It's my two. Forget about you. It's my one and I'm done, son. And I don't care about nothing else but me. Something's wrong with your heart. Or maybe you're at the wrong church. You can't be in a church of love if you don't have love in your heart. If I was a singer, I would say what the world needs now is love. Mom, we just need some love in the heart. And so put a little love in your heart. That's what I would tell you. Put, put some love back in your heart. Don't, don't forget your first love because at the end of the day, it's true. Some people are hard to love. But why don't you ask God who's the hardest person to love? He knows and he might tell you it's you. And so since God keeps loving me, I can keep loving Joyce. Since God keeps loving me, I can keep loving Quantia. Since God keeps loving me, the moment God stops loving me, I have a right to stop loving you. But the last time I checked, God is still loving me. Yeah. All right, let's, let's move beyond that because I really don't think you're wayward and I really don't think you're waning because you wouldn't be connecting with this message the way you do because it's not a shouting message, message but y'all still are enjoying it. So let's Go further. Let's look at this point number three. Let's talk about a returning heart. Let's give us definition of return. Come or go back to a place or a person. The beautiful thing about God is we can always come back. Now, if you mess around on your girlfriend or your boyfriend too long, you may not have a place to come back. See, humans are not as forgiving as God, but God is so forgiving, he's always there. I remember when, when uh, I rededicated my life when it came to, to God in college, after I'd gone through my, my way and just kind of lost my way. And it just dawned on me that he never left me. I had left him. And when I returned, he was right where I left him, ready for us to move on. And so it's beautiful that if you have a wayward heart or a waning heart that leads to a wayward heart, you can also have a returning heart and you can go back to the one that you left and go back to the one that you lost. Let's look at these synonyms for return. Go back, come back, get back, arrive back, put back, come home, restore, replace, reinstate, reinstall, submit. The reason why I am who I am, because God reinstated me and allowed me to come back home. And he put me back where I belong. I got some get back and some comeback and some bounce back in me because God was there waiting on me all the time. I'm like the prodigal son where the father is looking, waiting for my return. And I'm so glad I serve a forgiving God. I'm so glad I serve a loving God that will put me back where I was lost and put me back where I was found. God is yet a good God. He will allow us to return. 
I love Star Wars. There was Star Wars, The New Hope. Then there was the revenge of, uh, uh, no, there was the Empire Strikes Back. But then there was the return of the Jedi. The Jedi came back. Well, in, in spiritual terms, I'm like a Jedi and I'm returning back to my love. And guess what? I love y'all, but I don't love y'all like I love him. Because y'all love me, but y'all haven't loved me the way he has loved me. Y'all y'all haven't forgiven me the way he's forgiven me. Y'all haven't washed me up the way he's washed me up. Y'all haven't cleaned me up the way he cleaned me up. So I'm returning back to my first love. But guess what? I'm returning bigger. I'm returning better. I'm returning better than I was before because God is on my everlasting side. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Let's go back to Jeremiah 3, 12 through 25. Longer passage, so we'll try to get through it expeditiously. Jeremiah 3, 12. Therefore, go and give this message to Israel. This is what the Lord says. Now remember, when we last left off in Jeremiah 2, he was talking about they had they had given up the living well for a cracked cistern that couldn't even hold water. So guess what? God, through Jeremiah, should be telling them clean off about their wayward heart. But let's look at what he says. Let's look at what he says. Let's go back to the original verse and let's look at what he says. You see how sweet I was when I said that? (laughs) Therefore, go and give this message to Israel. This is what the Lord says. O Israel, my faithless people... Come home to me again, for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Oh, Israel, my faithless people, you get on my nerves. I'm cutting you off at the knees. No, he said, I'm so merciful. Just come on back home. I, I'm so merciful. You you can come on back to me. I I I I, I want you. I, I I I still love you. He said, I, "I'm mad, but I won't be angry forever. I I'm just too good to stay mad. I'm too good to hold a grudge. So come back to me. Let 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 me touch you again. Let let me bless you again. Let me anoint you again. Oh Israel, you messed up. You jacked up. But I'm good and I'm God. And because I'm God, I extend my arms and I extend my love." You can return back to me. Let's read verse 13. Only acknowledge your guilt. I only ask one thing. Acknowledge your guilt. Read. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord, your God, and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you you refuse to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. I'm going to deviate real quick and just go, since it's talking about spiritual adultery, I'm going to talk about real adultery. There are some women who, if the man wouldn't lie about it, they possibly would take him back. If you would just come clean and stop making me think I'm crazy when I know what you did, if you would just come clean, confess it all, I might be able to take you back. And God says, I know you committed adultery. Would would you just acknowledge it? Stop lying about it. Stop lying to my face. Just go ahead and fess up. I'm messed up and I need you. I'm messed up and I want you back. I'm messed up and I'm coming home. Not, no, I don't know what you mad at me for. I don't know what you going through my phone for. Yes, you do know why she going through your phone. You've given her multiple reasons. Stop lying and come clean. 
And all God is saying, if you want to switch your heart from a wayward heart to a returning heart, just come clean and confess, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. It's not Devin, it's not Will, it's Andre. And God, help me. Let's read some more. Verse 14. Return home, you wayward children. He even told them their heart was wayward. But return home. Come on. Says the Lord, for I am your master. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, one from this town and two from that family, from wherever you are scattered. In the larger context, Jeremiah was letting them know they were going to be exiled. They were letting them know that Babylon was going to tear up Jerusalem and they're going to snatch them and carry them off prisoners. And God is already speaking in the future. I'm going to bring you back. Wherever you're scattered, I'm going to bring you back. And I hear God saying to some of us, I, whatever you messed up, I'm about to fix it up. I'm about to turn it around. I'm about to make it look like you've never done it in your life. I'm about to fix it. It's so funny. When I talk to people and I tell them I used to drink, they would say, I cannot see it. I don't. They can't even imagine me drinking because God has removed me so far from it. And some of y'all, y'all got some stuff hanging over your head and hanging over your past, but just give it two, three months, two, three years. God going remove you so far back because God is just that good. He's better than tied with bleach. He can wash away your sins. What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It shall never lose its power. Let's read. Let's, let's continue to read verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. He said the problem y'all had is y'all had pastors who were ignoring my word. But I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to give you pastors after my own heart. And I'm not here to toot my own horn. But let me tell you, Deliverance Temple, you got a pastor after God's own heart. God won't let me mess you over. God will jack me up before he let me mess you up because God's going to get deliverance out of this place and he's going to use me to do it. Dropping down to verse 22. Read verse 22. My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me and I will heal your wayward hearts. Yes, we're coming, the people reply. For you are the Lord our God. Now, what's beautiful, he says, I, 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 I want you to come back to me. But he says, I realize the problem is you actually have trauma in your heart. And the reason why you keep messing up in your heart and your heart is wayward because you got a lot of deep trauma in your heart. So come on back to me. I'm actually going to heal your heart. I'm actually going to fix your heart. I want you to have a better heart. Your heart condition is messed up, but I'm going to heal it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to be the aspirin in your heart. I'm going to be the EKG for your heart. I'm going to be what you need. I'm about to fix up your heart. And the one reason why I can trust God, because he's never left me and never left my heart the way he found it. God will always make you better. All right, so let's look at verse 23. Actually, At the end of 22, the people respond, yes, we are coming back to you. So verse 23. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God 
is the salvation of Israel. So now the people are starting to, to believe what God has said. Now, th- what's beautiful is all this is prophecy. This hadn't even happened yet. God is prophesying, y'all going to get in trouble because your heart's messed up, but I'm going to make a way for you to come back. And he's also prophesying, y'all going to come back to me and y'all going to realize I done look to the hills and salvation don't come from there. I done look to my job and salvation don't come from there. I done look to marijuana, but salvation didn't come from there. I done look to sex, but salvation didn't come from there. I done look to lying and cheating, but salvation didn't come from there. I done look to the Republicans, but salvation didn't come from there. I looked to the Democrats, but salvation didn't come for that. I looked to the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals, but I found salvation only comes from the Lord. So guess what? At the end of the day, who I'm going to serve, as for me and my house, we going to serve the Lord. We're not serving the Republicans. We're not serving the Democrats. We're not even serving the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals. We're going to serve the Lord. You know why? Because all those other people are human. And if you do them wrong, you can't come back. You're the only one I've done as wrong as I've done. And you keep allowing me to come back. So guess what? I'm coming home. Verse 24. From childhood, we have watched as everything our ancestors worked for, their flocks and herds, their sons and daughters, was squandered on a delusion. This is what a lot of our young people don't know and some of us older have figured out. It's all a delusion. I done chased after a bunch of junk. It didn't bring me nothing but delusion. I done chased this. I done chased that. I done tried this. I done tried that. I done got hooked on this and hooked on that. And at the end of the day, it wasn't nothing but delusion. So I'm making up in my mind, no more delusion, no more deception. Devil, I know you're trying to trick me. I'm, this time, I'm staying with God. This time, this time, I'm, this time, I'm for real. And guess what? It's a lot of y'all. Y'all are for real. I can tell because y'all should have quit, but y'all keep on coming back because it's for real this time. Verse 25. Here we go. Let us now lie down in shame and cover ourselves with dishonor. For we and our ancestors have sinned against the Lord our God. From our childhood to this day, we have never obeyed him. Not only were they honest, they were real. They were brutally honest. At the end of the day, we ain't never obeyed God the way we really should have. But it says that they was laying down in shame. That was the end, that's the end of that chapter. That's a bad place to leave off. Unless you have this final heart. Here's the final heart. Put that up. Number four. A repentant heart. See. How the heart totally recovers. Is when the heart stays repentant. And so. Let's put up a definition of repentant. Expressing or feeling. Sincere regret and remorse. Remorseful. Not, I'm sorry I got caught. That's different. But expressing sincere remorse and regret. There's some of y'all, I don't have to do anything but just preach. Y'all go home and say, man, I got to do better. I don't, I, I don't have to say, Tommy you, Tommy, you need to stop what you're doing. Tommy just comes and listens to the word of God and says, God, I can do better. That's, that, that's when your heart's not wayward or waning. That's when you have a recovering heart because your heart is so quick to repay. Oh, God. Ooh, that was me. Ouch. Sometimes I say amen. Sometimes I say ouch. 
But I'm learning that I used to be able to do stuff and didn't bother me. But now I do stuff and it bothers me. So that means there's something right in my heart. That means I'm heading in the right direction. Let's give us some repentance synonyms. And then I'm going to read the verses from here on out. Contrite, regretful, sorrowful, remorseful, apologetic. And here's it. Ready to change. I, 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 I'm ready to change, God. Yeah, I, I know I may not be able to do it all by myself. I may not be able to get it done in 24 hours. I may not be able to get it done in, in, in a day. I may not be able to get it done in a week. But God, I am ready to change. God, I don't want to die like this. I don't want to go out like this. God, I want to be better. So guess what? I know we live in a grace church, and I know we're confessing our deliverance, but between me and you, God, and pastor ain't got to know nothing about it, but between me and you, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I thought about Manita. I'm sorry that I said she thought she was better than me. God, that wasn't her. That was me. And God, I'm sorry. God, I don't know why I'm like this. Help me, God. Fix me, God. When you are like that, God won't leave you like you are. God will help you. So we're closing with Psalm 51, the King James Version. We closed this way last week. I'm going to add a little more context. This is when, when David blew it the most ever. He, he, he blew it hor- horribly bad. If you know the scriptures, he was both an adulterer and a murderer. Great worshiping warrior David blew it horribly bad. So let's look at Psalms 51.1. I'll read it. It says, have mercy upon me. Go ahead and bring it up in the back. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. I ain't perfect, but God, if you got any white out up there, I need you to put it into my life and blot out some of the junk I done, some of the things I thought, some of the ways I acted. God, blot it out. Erase it, God. Fix it, God. I need you to help me, God. God, if, uh, if we're in the parking lot and somebody accidentally dings my, my door and it's not too bad and they scratch my car, there's certain kind of stuff I can go and I can buy from the car place and I can put it right on my car and where it was scratched, nobody will know because it's blotted out. I got some junk in my life that you'll never know because God blotted it out. Verse 3, and this is the reason why he blotted out verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Verse 9, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And this is how we closed last week, and we're going to close the same way by um, actually confessing this. So bring up Psalms 51 and 10. Repeat after me. Created me a clean heart, O God. Created me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Heart condition. Come on, put your hands together. Now, to solidify this, let's all stand to our feet. To solidify this, we'll go right into our communion. And our communion is going to work and function like heart surgery. We're going to have the heart that we need. Not only are we going to have a generous heart, But we're going to have a recovering, repentant heart. And as we take this, we are cursing the wayward and the waning heart. Let's look at Mark 14, 22. It says, and as they did eat, 
Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, take, eat. This is my body. So would you go ahead, take, and would you eat? This is reminding us of Jesus, our heart surgeon. Verse 23, and he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Let's take, let's drink. Final verse, verse 24, and he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. I'm going to change it, and I want us to repeat this after me. Say, and he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for me. Come on, let's clap our hands. And now we'll bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God, I thank you for helping us with our heart condition. God, as you've come into our heart and because of your blood, we will be and we can be the people that you want us to be. God, we may not be what we want to be, but God, we can get there with your help. And I thank you for it. And God, I do appreciate you for the life that was lived, my father, the life that he lived, a life that taught us how to have grace but also not to just take the grace and use it, but to take the grace and become better as people. And because of that, we can and we will do it. If there's anybody that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that today they will ask him into their life so that you could do the heart surgery that they need. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a marvelous week.